The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 16th chapter. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So earlier this morning, I was in the atrium. Over here, I have witnesses to this. And someone greeted me and said something that I'm not sure has ever been said to a pastor before in the 2,000 years of Christianity. She walked and she said, hey, Tim, good to see you. I hope your sermon is longer this week. So settle in. <laughs> uh, I took that as a compliment. Anne is no longer here. She, I mean, she heard it the last hour, but in any case. Uh, we are finishing this week our uh, three-part sermon series. Uh, it's been on what do Christians believe. And again, the, the, the thought behind it is that the culture we live in has certain misunderstandings, uh, myths, incorrect assumptions about what we believe. And because we are part of that same culture, it's very easy uh, for us to, by osmosis, gather those same kind of misunderstandings or myths about our faith. And so we're just doing a little bit of a reset. Again, this isn't comprehensive or exhaustive, but we've been talking about things that are hopefully representative of that dynamic. So a couple weeks ago, we did the resurrection of the body. Last week, we talked about money. Today, we're talking about evangelism, about sharing the gospel. And as we've done the last couple weeks, what I want to do is set up, here's what the culture says on the one hand, and here's what we actually believe. So the culture, in this case, I want to lift up two things that the culture says to us as Christians or believes that we should act in this way. The first sort of baseline thing is that the culture says, hey, Christians and everyone else, you can believe whatever you want, just keep it to yourselves. Be quiet about it. Don't talk about it with anyone. In polite company, it's not appropriate to talk about our faith. So again, believe it if you want, but leave it in the privacy of your home. That's the one thing that culture says. Uh, the other, I want to say, I'll call it a caricature of evangelism is, is what it, the culture assumes evangelism is, and that is that it is going down to downtown Minneapolis or St. Paul, putting a soapbox on a corner and a little makeshift uh, podium and banging your hand on it and shouting at people about Jesus, okay? So those two cultural sort of pieces, and I want to respond to both of them. First of all, the one that says, well, you can believe whatever you want, just keep it to yourself. And as Christians, I just have to be honest and clear about this, that is a non-starter. 
Evangelizing, sharing our faith is an integral part of our identity as Christians. Uh, Someone once said the church exists for three things, to worship God, to care for the poor, and to evangelize. And biblically, let me lift up just a few verses to reinforce the point that we're not invited to sit on the sidelines, but instead are invited to be uh, more muscular, uh, more proactive about our faith. One is the Great Commission, go, teach, baptize, make disciples. Those are four very, again, strong, muscular verbs. Uh, the end of John, Peter or Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. And this is after Peter has let Jesus down. And uh, Jesus, not once but three times, says, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep, right? Again, go out and share my love with the world. Or today's gospel, which we heard from the voice of God, Jim over here. Um, That's what I think of, I don't know. And uh, I, I love this gospel passage. This is, this is the great confession of Peter, right? Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responds, you heard this in the children's sermon, you are right. And you are the rock, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And then that last phrase, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it's that last phrase that I want to sort of lift up today, because I think, for, I don't know why this is, but it is my strong suspicion that we as Christians get that backwards. And we assume what that means is that we as Christians are here to protect what we believe against the gates of hell, right? Crouch down into a defensive position. Now let me ask you a question. When is the last time you have seen a gate used as an offensive weapon? It isn't one. What is it there for? To defend, to protect. So what Jesus is saying is, Peter, you're going to start my movement called the church, and it is going to be so powerful. It is going to spread my love so, again, in such a muscular, proactive, active way that it will reach to the four corners of the world and even the gates of hell will not stand up against it. We are invited as Christians to be part of a movement that continues the work of spreading that love, spreading God's love. So the cultural assumption that we've got to be quiet, we can't share our faith, Again, it doesn't work for us as Christians. It's a non-starter. Now, that being said, a legitimate fair question, or the next question, is, okay, Tim, so what does evangelism look like? Uh, How do we do it? And here we're going to get to that second cultural caricature, again, I'm going to call it, of this pounding on the soapbox or walking through the streets handing out Bibles, uh, twisting people's arms about Jesus. And I have a few things I want to say about this. The first one, and we've lifted this quote up before. It's attributed to a variety of different people. Some think it went uh, back to Francis of Assisi. Some think it's Mother Teresa. But what whoever it was said is absolutely true. And what they said is to Christians, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Thank you for laughing. A little chuckle, at least. This is important, and this goes to what we talked about last week. One of the important ways we spread the message of God's love and God's hope is through acts of mercy. Last week we had uh, the parable of the sheep and the goats. We were reminded that we spread God's love by doing what? Feeding the hungry, 
giving a drink to those who are thirsty, clothing the naked, welcoming the stranger, visiting those who are sick. Folks, that is not a second-class form of evangelism. That is a form, a legitimate, important, meaningful form of evangelism. Can I get an amen to that? That's important for us to recognize, that we spread the gospel through those acts of mercy. Now, that said, if you are going to press the point and say, okay, Tim, that's fine, I, got, I get that, but what about actually sharing the content of our faith? What about using words? Two thoughts about that. The first is, I don't believe evangelism starts by telling anyone about Jesus. I think it starts by receiving God's message of love and forgiveness for us first. Another way of saying that is you cannot share what you do not have. By the way, you also can't share what you feel embarrassed about or defensive about, which is part of the reason that we're doing this series. Folks, the faith you are part of is a positive, beautiful, wonderful thing. And we come here every week to be reminded of God's love for us. And the first order of business for us is to receive that love, to accept that forgiveness. Now, I want to be clear, this doesn't mean that we ever get it perfectly right. None of us are perfect, even the most important evangelists in history, nor does it mean we're ever going to fully understand the mysteries of God's love. But it means we start there. We tend to our own faith life, we tend to our own prayer life, we receive God's love so that in receiving it, we can then share it. Second point, again, going after this caricature idea in, in the um, culture that evangelism means, you know, standing up and shouting about Jesus. Here is the objective fact about how Christianity has been spread over the last 2,000 years. It has not been spread primarily or I would argue even very effectively by people standing on street corners on soapboxes or people knocking on doors handing out Bibles. I don't want to be dismissive of that. In some cases, maybe it's helpful. But the, the most important and by far the most significant way that Christianity has been spread is by one person sharing their faith with someone who they already know and who they have a trusting relationship with. Which means, when you come here to St. Philip Deacon to hear a sermon about evangelism, you are not going to get a five-step program for sharing the faith with your neighborhood. I hope that maybe that makes you feel relieved. Um, what you are going to get, though, is an invitation to think differently about evangelism and recognize that what it really means is looking at the world differently, recognizing that, hmm, maybe God is actually at work in this great big world of ours, and maybe God wants to use me to spread God's love. So if that's true, what it means is simply paying attention to our lives, opening our eyes, opening our ears to the people in our lives recognizing the moments we have when we can maybe invite a conversation. Or maybe it's simply asking a question. Maybe it's listening. Maybe it's those acts of mercy I talked about before. Maybe it's inviting someone to an event at your church. The point is that evangelism is all about responding in love to the people who are already in your life. And all of us, 
All of us can do that. A final thought. If I ask you who is the most important evangelist of the 20th century, what would your response be? Okay, you guys got it. Did anyone else get it? They're cheating. They've been here before. Some of you may have said it. Billy Graham, who died this past year, and I agree with that. Here's the interesting thing. This may surprise you, but sociologists have studied the work of Billy Graham, and they have found in Graham's work parallels with another really important uh, evangelist, the Apostle Paul, in the New Testament. And what they have discovered um, or recognized is that Graham and Paul worked not primarily by converting non-believers. In fact, Paul in the New Testament was woefully unsuccessful at that. What they did instead was they gathered together groups of existing believers, churches, and they encouraged them, and they inspired them, and they galvanized them and their members to do the thing I just said, which is that in the lives of the members themselves, to go out and pay attention to where God is at work and look for opportunities to share the gospel. And by the way, that means in appropriate ways. I didn't say earlier, but it's important to note, sharing the gospel never means arm twisting. It never means coercion. It never means uh, you know, banging people over the head. It simply means loving people. And if Billy Graham and Paul did their work by building up churches, what is the obvious corollary for us? One of the most important things we can do if we want to be successful evangelists is do what? Build up our own churches. And so if you're visiting here this morning from out of town, when you go back home, and we had visitors this morning that were here at 8.30, go back and strengthen your own church. If you're a member of another church in this neighborhood and happen to be visiting, God bless you. Go back to your church and build it up. And if you are a member of St. Philip the Deacon, use today as an opportunity to recommit yourself to the important work of building up this congregation. For 60 years, good, faithful people have made this congregation a place that is a blessing to the world. Today, we have the opportunity to continue that work, and I pray that God will give us the strength to do it. As for the next 60 years, we continue to reach out, proclaim, and inspire. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, we thank you for all of your blessings to us, the gift of this day, and the gift of your love for us. As we gather today, we pray you will help us to receive that love and trust in it so that we can go back out to a world in need and share it with it. And all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.